Welcome everybody to the Srimad Bhagavatam class. This uh, program that we have here at Iskana Silicon Valley on Saturday mornings is esoteric. If uh, you come in from someplace like Home Depot, <laughs> you might find it a little bit um, unusual. So the the context is that these are the activities that go on in the spiritual world. Krishna is there because he's the original cause of all causes. As he says in the Bhagavad Gita, Ham Sarvasya Prabhavo. Everything else emanates from me. And as Brahma, the first created being, confirms Yishvara Parama Krishna. Krishna is the supreme controller. And the Vedas in general give the understanding of the Supreme as Janmad Yasyayataha, that from whom everything else emanates. There is an original cause of everything. And that cause is sentient, means it's, he's a person. And he's a Purusha. He's the controller, a male person who is the, the master of all energies and all of the living beings. And He's also described as being the suhrit, or the best friend of everyone, every living entity. So there's a science behind the practice of Krishna consciousness, which begins with sambandha jnana and an understanding of one's relationship with that supreme person. As described by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, when I'm in the material world, it's hard for me to have any context or see where I am because it's so vast and overwhelming. Oftentimes, Prabhupada would compare the attempt to understand the material world to a frog in a th three-foot well. And th the frog might speculate about the Pacific Ocean. Imagine a frog that doesn't have any transportation and hasn't seen the Pacific Ocean and sits in its well and then tries to think of a body of water that's vaster than his, and he may speculate maybe it's 10 times bigger. Okay, 100 times, but that's it. And in 
my attempts to understand the material nature, no matter how intelligent I may be, I can't because it's coming from Krishna and it's a divine energy. Even Brahma, when he was first born, tried to understand the material nature by looking around. He was born atop a lotus flower on a very high stem in the Karna Ocean, the causal ocean, and he, or Garbadak Ocean, rather, the, the ocean within this universe. And then from the stem of Garbadakshai Vishnu, he climbed down the lotus stem. There were high winds. He was holding on. He saw the ocean raging underneath. And he couldn't find any source to himself. But then he heard the words tapa, or as we hear in the, in the Brahma Samhita, he heard Divine Saraswati give him the instruction that he should meditate on the mantra, the Krishna mantra, Gopal mantra. So he began to do that. And after some time, he was able by the mercy of Krishna to understand something about the universe. Of course, he's the sub-creator or the engineer who puts everything together, but still, uh, it's beyond his comprehension uh, what to speak of an ordinary living being who's entangled in the three modes of material nature to understand the universe. So Krishna says, uh, we can't understand the form of the world. We don't know where we are. What's up and what's down is very hard to understand where we came from, where we're going. All these things are a symptom of being tiny and also being tiny and in ignorance. So he says that one must perform this uh, operation of separating oneself from the material world. And one of the ways that we do that, Sangha Shastrena Dhritena Chitva, he says, you should cut down this deeply rooted tree that you're entangled in. So Shastra, there's Shastra, there's Shastra, Shastrena Dhritena Chitva, use the sword. And where do you get that? Shastra, which is the same word only with a long A, which means take advantage of the, the knowledge that's coming down from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that knowledge actually cuts the tree of material existence because if I find out that the goals of my life are unachievable, or even if I attain them, as Hiranyakashipu demonstrated, they're unsustainable. Don't ask for anything that you can't maintain because... Uh, it's difficult, and hint, we can't really maintain anything. Krishna's the maintainer. So th there's also particular information about our relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is, we have an intimate relationship with our source. And in the Srimad Bhagavatam, there's very detailed, there is very detailed information about the kinds of relationships that one can have with the Supreme, starting with Shantaras, uh, an abiding appreciation for the beauty, grandeur of the Lord, 
and it's in a benign state. And then there's a feeling that maybe I should do something for the Supreme. Since he has senses, maybe I can do something for his pleasure. Uh, that's when one moves into that action stage. That's called dasiras. And then there's um, very esoteric other understandings. Mostly people don't go beyond that, but Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught about the ways in which uh, God, Krishna, is a personality. He has his own abode, which is very special. Goloka Namni Nijadamni. It's a Nijadam, his own personal abode where he's at home and he's in a very loving, casual mood and relates to all his loving devotees. And there, there are other kinds of relationships like Sakya. Sakya means friendship. Can one be a friend to the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Yes. There are loving relationships and friendship in, and there are varieties in, that kind, in those uh, friendships. And then there's, believe it or not, Vatsalya, where one thinks of oneself as uh, the Supreme's guardian or like a parent figure. And then Madhurya, which is the kind of um, love, love relationship, like there's husband and wife and there's also boyfriend, girlfriend. And Dwarka, there's a relationship Krishna has with his many wives, 16,108. And in Vrindavan with his um, so-called girlfriends. Um, all of this we see in this world, which is a reflection of the spiritual world. Urdva mulamadashakam ashvatambrahavyam chandamsi yasyaparnani yasam veda sabedavit adashchordvam prashitashtashaka guna pravida vishaya pravala adashchamulan anusantatani karmani bandini manushaloke. Krishna describes how by 180 degrees the entire spiritual world is reflected in the pool of this material world made up of the three modes of material nature. So we see the kinds of relationships here in this world, only they don't work out for a couple reasons. One is because they're based on a false premise that I have a relationship with my, uh, with my master or, um, or my dependents or my friends and so forth and then that relationship gets interrupted either by a disagreement or by the force of time it's severed and we have to move on these are all reflected relationships that are there in the spiritual world anything we see here is is coming from the spiritual world because this is a reflected image what's most important to the bhakti yogi is understanding uh, the relationships because as Prabhupada points out in the nectar of devotion everyone's working for pleasure and pleasure comes from relationships for instance a person who works very hard is seeking relationship and the pleasure of family many times that maintain a house which takes a lot of work even building a house 
It takes a, a Herculean effort and resources from all over the planet. Why? So I can go in there and do I want to just live alone? Like my friend Bopadev, he had a perfectly good apartment. I remember in Alachua I went and visited him, but he was single and he, um, he had one spoon in the whole apartment. <laughs> That's all you have <laughs> for everything. <laughs> but a person who wants to have enjoyment in the material world needs lots of spoons and then other kinds of paraphernalia. You can count it, uh, endlessly count it at any kind of um, sale people have in the front of their house, getting rid of all their stuff. Everyone's got all kinds of stuff. And what's it for? Put it in a little house, and then you can't just do it alone. If you're alone, all you need is one spoon. But if you have other people, you got to get a few spoons, and then other kinds of strainers and pots and so forth. And all that goes towards, oh, I want to have a, a loving relationship with a wife, husband, and kids, and then 52 cousins, and they'll all come over. So this is the way in which I try to enjoy in the material world, but as described by a Vaishnav poet, Vidyapati, this uh, enjoyment looks like it should be enjoyment, and you could say theoretically that there is some enjoyment, but he compares it to a person who's in the desert and is dying of thirst and then asks for water, and someone says, certainly I can give you some water. And then, please, one drop. That's it. I mean, practically in the desert sun, the drop evaporates before it reaches his lips. So it's water in theory, but it actually doesn't quench our thirst. So Krishna says that when you understand the temporary nature of the relationships in this world, that we have, and he says, you should be intelligent. Buddha means an intelligent person. is someone who figures out that, okay, I have all these relationships, all these spoons, forks, knives, pots, pans, uh, stove flown in from Germany or wherever the best ones come from, but all these things have a beginning and an end. Even Shukadeva Goswami in the beginning of the Srimad Bhagavatam, who's extremely austere, he doesn't even wear clothes, he's saying, what's the use of all this stuff? You can lie on the ground. You don't need a posturepedic or a sleep number. You need a, a little ground you can lie on. And I've seen that before when I stayed at the Goshala. Prem Kishore's two kids, they're young at the time. They're so used to living in Vrindavan. They come home uh, exhausted as young kids do. They were probably, you know, 10 and, 10 and 12 or something like that. They come in. The floor was very nice. It was soft. It was made out of cow dung. Like hardened cow dung is a very nice kind of environment. And they just come in and I wash them and they just, they just fall on the floor and go to sleep. <laughs> that was it. So there's um, not advocating necessarily for that, but the point is Shukadeva Goswami says, don't get waylaid by all these things. They're not real. And Krishna says that they all have a beginning and an end. All my attachments here, 
my relationships, all the stuff I have, it's going to come and go. So don't be so attached to it. You can keep it, but use it for a higher purpose. When you have things and you use them for a higher purpose, then they become spiritualized. And then Krishna says, Make the journey towards reality. Once you've understood that there's a futility in working hard for the temporary things of this world, the reflected reality, the reflection of reality, then you can start making progress towards the real thing, and that's bhakti yoga. Uh, there's a, a process through which we can actually transfer our interests from the material world to the spiritual world. We have the same kinds of interests, because again, it's a reflection. But what are those interests? I want a relationship. So where do I get it? Find Go there and find that person who's the origin of all rasas, rasovaisaha, the person who can reciprocate perfectly the loving relationships that I'm looking for. And there, uh, uh, give yourself, give your heart in that place. Don't be afraid. You can fully invest all your energy there and you'll never be disappointed. In fact, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that if you, if you give a tiny little investment to Krishna, uh, you'll never be the loser. Whereas with all the maneuvering one can make in this material world to invest, uh, it'll all be lost eventually. Or sooner or later, it'll be lost. But not the investment you make in Krishna, in, Krishna, in our relationship with Krishna, everything it takes in order to develop that relationship. It doesn't um, mean that we don't already have a relationship with Krishna. We do, but I've pointed my attention elsewhere to illusory relationships with the world, uh, which, which really means with people, with other living beings and my relationships, because that's the essence of, of our search in life, is to find loving relationships. So what if we get on the path of bhakti and then we find it hard to do? Is that possible? Yes. So it's a simple process, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy because there may be obstacles. So how does one overcome those obstacles? We have to have a yoga balena, spiritual strength. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about yoga. And he says... Prayanakale means at the end of this body. Uh, this is very heavy language, actually, for most people, because everyone's moving around in life. La-di-da-di-da, everything's fine. 
And then you go like, hey, you're going to leave your body and say, what? How do you talk things like Why do you say things like that? <laughs> Can't we talk about something nice? And Krishna comes out in the Bhagavad Gita. This is yoga talk. Prayanakale manasachalena. When you leave this body, at the end of the body, and we say, vayuranilam amritam atedam bashmantam shariram. A little more verve. Vayuranilam amritam atedam bashmantam shariram. Yeah, this uh, heavy verse is about how let this temporary body be burnt to ashes and let the air of life be merged with the totality of air. That's uh, something you can bring up at a PTA meeting. <laughs> what about my child when his body is burned to ashes? Uh, or mine? And so there's, there's this uh, stark reality that Krishna and the Upanishads and throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam were presented with that, that there's an end, end to all this to this body and so forth. And so Krishna says, Prayanakali manasachalena bhaktya yukto ye yoga balena chaiva. He said, work in this lifetime to develop uh, bala, spiritual strength. Uh, yoga balena. Yoga means there's a systematic practice that uh, one should engage in to become very strong so that at the time of death, you can place your focus between the two eyebrows. This is for yogis. They place their, they mechanically, they're placing their life airs, everything near the top of the head, be fully focused, ready to burst out of the top of the head and head off for the planet that they're looking for. So Prabhupada says in his purport that you can't do that suddenly. You have to develop strength over a lifetime. And it takes investment in, the, in some practice, he says, Sat Kriya Yoga, Sat Chakra Yoga, or, uh, bhakti, or especially Bhakti Yoga, he says, to become strong. So there are, there's strength and then there's weakness. But what is the weakness that's described uh, by our various acharyas, what keeps us from developing um, this, what's called steadiness. This is the first platform where we can feel some actual happiness, where we're not harassed by the obstacles that are inherent when we start off the process of devotional service. Inherent means because I've been dabbling in matter for so long, to say the least, there's a way in which I have lingering effects. And when I take the bhakti, then there are various obstacles that have to be removed in order to come to the platform of nishta. And this is something that Arjuna asks about. He wants to know, what is the symptom of a steady person? What, what does it look like when someone comes to steadiness? And then also we ask, how does one get to that position? What are the specific obstacles that one has to overcome to legitimately be fixed in consciousness? Otherwise, how will I be enthusiastic for devotional service if I'm constantly harassed by obstacles like sleep and like indifference and distraction 
Distraction is torture. Focus is nectar. I can only focus my mind when I come to this point of steadiness. So before I go into more of the details, we'll just take a few reflections to try to illuminate the parts that we've talked about already. Is everyone okay? Okay. So reflect back anything that you heard so far so we can go fully into the subject matter. Hare Krishna Prabhu. The point that you said about, um, you know, Krishna can reciprocate in all ways. So if we invest our energy in the relationship with Krishna, then we'll never be disappointed. You know, I felt that was um, very striking because all the relationships in the material world, you know, I mean, some are pure, but ultimately everything comes with people have their own agendas and things like that. So we do, you know, get disappointed many times. Whereas, you know, if we put our time and energy in Krishna, then he can satisfy us to the best. Yeah, have you ever noticed that any project, relationship, investment that you have in this world, sooner or later, goes sideways? And the older I get, the, the more I'm convinced by, through the theory, uh, uh, mathematical theory of the theory of large numbers, of how true this is, theory of large numbers says, the more times you perform an experiment, the closer it comes to the average mean, which will show the, the consistent result that you're going to get from a particular experiment. That was a very wordy way of saying it, but the fact is, if you flip a coin twice and it lands on heads, both times you might conclude erroneously that it's not 50-50, but if you do it 10,000 times, the law of large numbers says it'll come closer to that. And so the older I get, the more I notice that it's not me, it's the way the material world is, that everything eventually goes sideways. And you can, you'd never know where it's going to come from or which way it's going to come from, but it, it will. So there's, a, there's an old saying about how spiritual life is all gain and no risk. And material life is all risk and no gain. If one can appreciate that, this is called shraddha, or faith in the process of Krishna's protection and devotional service that if I give myself to Krishna, he'll protect me. This is what the, the pure devotees have in Vrindavan. They're always just depending on Krishna. Whereas when I try to arrange everything for myself and make sure everything's planned out in this world and I have enough resources to protect me, Shukadev Goswami says, forget it. Deha patrak kalatraveshu atmasaini sasatsapi. He said, these are fallible soldiers. I'm not advocating again, giving disclaimers as I go, that uh, one be irresponsible. One has to manage the resources. You have to manage the resources that are given as your quota properly in, in Krishna's service. But there should be an ever-increasing and abiding sense that these are not my resources and they can be recalled at any time. And therefore, I should use them for a higher purpose. Thank you. Okay, who's next? Yes. 
um you said krishna is our best friend that is very encouraging it is very encouraging especially since what he also says in the verse buktaran yatapasam he's the enjoyer of all sacrifices sarvalokameshwar he owns everything who wouldn't want a friend like that and which which is better to be the king or to be the intimate service servant of the king uh, it's better to be the servant because the king is always under under attack curse christian can handle it ordinary kings eventually succumb look at ozymandias and there's a way in which uh, we're in a good position actually we just have to as- assume that position rather than a an artificial position that no i'm the enjoyer and i'm the owner and controller and if i let krishna be the owner and controller and put him in the center then krishna says gyatva mam shantim rishati then you'll have peace because it's a really good we got a really good slot for you little jiva just be who you are <laughs> you're you're really in a advantageous position in fact so advantageous that one could argue at some point that it's actually even a better position than being krishna that's why krishna comes as a devotee sometimes to appreciate the appreciators or to be one of the appreciators because it's really good and the more you can appreciate krishna the better off you are yes would you be talking a little bit more about how actually to increase the yoga balam how to uh, increase the yoga balena yes i will talk about it in madhava mahotsav prabhu is actually raised oh good we have a, a we can't forget our zoom uh past <laughs> we have a history with zoom we used we used to be there okay prabhu uh shri madhava mahotsav please go ahead hari krishna gurmarsh please accept my humble obeisances I I like the point you were <clears throat> raising about how in the shastras they 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 talk about these stark realities uh, like the temporary body being burnt into ashes and vayu aninam amritam so I I just really appreciate that how the shastras you know hit you with the facts or keep it real uh because <clears throat> alternatively there's just so much illusion and so much misdirection and also even that verse it kind of puts you next to uh, like a sage who is fully processed the material world and concludes that yeah uh, let go of everything i'm detached and let this temp- this body's temporary so let it be burnt into ashes and then it also it mentions now all my, oh my lord <clears throat> please remember all the sacrifices i've done for you and um so that it also reveals that intimate relationship that we have like the most important relationship is between the spirit soul and the supreme lord so even though <clears throat> it may seem be seem as like heavy heavy information it it's like it like touches the heart because it's so like it makes us aware of how vulnerable we are and also you know that our most important relationship with was is with the supreme personality of godhead so i just i just appreciate you for uh talking about that during class keeping it real <laughs> thank you yeah where else are you going to hear it 
Sadhu Vrindavan. I mean, where else are you going to hear except for the Shastra and those who are representing the Shastra? Otherwise, it's, it's a taboo subject to talk about. In fact, once, very probably foolishly, definitely foolishly, when I was a brahmachari and I was at the um, uh, Swargadwar in Puri where they burn all the bodies in public, I, I took photos and then I showed, showed one to my mom once when I came home to visit once and it totally freaked her out. And I thought, you know, that's probably not a good vacation photo to show <laughs> to people. <laughs> she said, never show me that again. And, uh, and I just realized how horrific it is to, to be suddenly um, informed that in, in a very kind of unceremonious way that, hey, by the way, you got to give everything back. And nobody ever told me. Uh, I wasn't informed. Everyone's going on la-di-da as if it's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, little Jimmy's got a bike and, um, you know, I have money in the bank. I just got a raise and blah, blah, blah. And uh, the whole material world is going on as <laughs> some kind of phantasmagoria, say the sages. And it's like... This is a total fake-out. Total fake-out? Colossal hoax. <laughs> I mean, talk about conspiracy theory. The whole thing is like <laughs> from the ground up. And so what Sri Madhavamotsava Prabhu is pointing out is like, yeah, this Shukadeva Goswami tells you, and then you feel good about it because, you know, at least you heard the truth, and then you can start planning, making other plans. I think I have alternative plans now because this doesn't sound so great. Sadhu. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Um, you're talking about how um, a devotee is, a pure devotee is always dependent on Krishna. He, it doesn't matter what, whatever happens. He's always, um, he's always surrendered unto Krishna. So I was just thinking of Verse Can you say that slow and sweet, please? And um, it means that when a devotee surrenders unto Krishna, uh, when a devotee surrenders unto Krishna, he carries what um, the devotee lacks and preserves what he has. And um, or more specifically, ye yatamam pradyante tam sataiva bajamiham mama vartmanu vartante manusya manusya partasarvasha. Good. Manusya partasarvasha, which basically means that as all surrender unto me, um, I, I I reward him accordingly. So um, yeah, I was just thinking about these two verses when you made that point. Thank you very much. Well done, sir. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, please accept my humble obeisances uh, to you all. Glories to Srila Prabhupada. I like um, so many points, uh, but I'm going to talk about a couple points that I really like. Uh, and I, when you say that when we get older, we experience uh, that we, it, this is so true, it double, triple, hundred time confirmation that uh, when we leave 
in uh, family life or uh, whatever we are doing. And then we, no matter how much we try to please somebody or we do so much and we get comfortable and then suddenly we get even small like slap and then we realize that this is Krishna's mercy that I I cannot be comfortable in this world and I have to do my sadhana or chanting and reading and not to get too attached with this. So that's also Krishna's mercy. And so I, I really, I experienced it. And then one time I, I went to, uh, last week I went to Kaiser and I, the person who was uh, registering uh, at front, uh, you know, all, um, the, all the patients and he, he said, uh, he just made one point that really stuck, stuck me. He said, when I see everybody's pain in the hospital, it makes me humble. And uh, he, he said that that's, I feel that uh, how fortunate I am when, I, when I'm working here. And it makes me humble. And I said, oh, that means uh, you like spirituality and you will like this book. So I gave him a couple of books and he really liked it. And uh, so that made me think when I came home that, all these material things uh, that we get, you know, beat by whatever, uh, and it makes us humble and we want to surrender more and do our sadhana according to our best capacity. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for the real life anecdote. There's a verse in the 11th canto in which Krishna mentions um, that one should use four kinds of evidence to notice that the material world is a, is a temporary place. Uh, pratyaksha, anuman, uh, aitya, and shabda. So shabda means hear about it from the shastra. And aitya means wisdom that's passed down, word of mouth. And like nobody gets out of here alive. Uh, then there's direct uh, perception. You can walk around and say, oh yeah, this is actually happening in real time. And l logic also. Because the death rate is still 100% after thousands of years. Even with the best laid plans and so-called remedies, it's still the same when you go to any doctor. Now is when you went before and said, can you cure me? And they'll say, We'll give it a try, and then there'll be a lot of debate about whether it worked or not, and maybe there's side effects and so forth. So that's the nature of the material world. Krishna says so, vikal patsavirajite. You get that uh, shloka book. Oh, there it is. It's right next to you. 11th Canto, you can look it up. Yes, one more reflection. Yes, Prabhu. I was uh, reminded of the bhajan. Go shruti pratyaksham itm. Go ahead. So, Maharaj, I was reminded of the bhajan bhajure mana, and especially that paragraph. Which bhajan? We can barely hear you. Got to hold that close <coughs> to your. Bhajure mana by Govinda Das. Especially, you know, edhana yogana. Putra Parijana, Iteki Achi Paritire, Kamala Dalajala, Jeevana Talamala, Bhajo Hari Padmitire. So I was thinking how eloquently the entire thing that you are speaking is 
captured by Govinda Das in that bhajan. And he's yeah, always... Almost a kind of a remorseful or melancholy song in a, in a raga that indicates that kind of mood. Kamala jala jala jivana talamala pahuhar hari parani jive. The kamala dala jala jivana talamala poetic, beautiful alliteration, and there's description of how the drop of water is on a lotus and it can slip off at any time. My life's like that. And all of this investment I've given in the relationships in this world, they can be lost at any time as well. Thank you very much. Shruti pratyakshamaiti yam anumanam chatushtayam pramaneshvanavastanad vikalpat sabirajite. Can you read this? Translation? Open now. From the four types of evidence, Vedic knowledge, direct experience, traditional wisdom, and, logic, and logical induction, one can understand the temporary, insubstantial situation of the material world, by which one becomes detached from the duality of this world. Thank you very much. Directly from Krishna to Uddhava. So he said, look around and check it out for yourself. And then, vikalpa savirajite, have a sense that the material world is not stable and therefore uh, take a, a chill pill. <laughs> Don't get too, uh, too invested here, yes. Oh, um, just on the topic of the material world being very temporary, um, we were doing um, something with vocabulary in my literature class, and um, one of the words I got was illusion, and the exact definition for it was something that you think is there, but it's not there. Mm. And I just sat in my literature class looking around at everybody, and I was like, wow, <laughs> they're all going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go too. So it was, just, it was just really like, it was weird to just sit there and realize that Everyone, everything here is temporary, even like my teacher, all my friends, and just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and as you go into literature or any other, I mean, especially literature, if you're in humanities, you'll, you'll go into all kinds of poetry, gather ye rosebuds while ye may, because, uh, you know, everything's going to fall apart. Only problem is, although the observation's there, the... Uh, the second part of the verse that we chanted today from Bhagavad Gita, Tatakparam Tut, Tut, what is the Tut? Tut means there's thatness somewhere. There's no thatness in the material world. It doesn't actually, there's no there there. You try for it and it's like, what happened to it? It just evaporated. We want Tut, Tutva. What's the thing that actually exists that's really there, that's always there? Nasato vitite bhavo, na bhavo vitite sata that thing that really exists. And so that's the important information because a lot of people have information. Uh, like uh, Buddha, the story goes that he was a prince and he was uh, protected in the palace. His family didn't let him see anything of the world, but then he came out and he went to Loi Bazaar and he saw people that were sick and he saw people that were... Uh, you know, a funeral going by, Ram Nam Satyahe, and all the things uh, of the world, birth, death, old age, and disease. And he said, this is horrible. And I never knew this. So I got to get out of here. 
But the part that's um, always missing until one comes to the Srimad Bhagavatam is tut. What is that person? Where is the real standing? I can't stand on nothing. I can't become nothing. I can't just give everything up. I have to have a place to go where there's a relationship. And that's the main point. So uh, that's the beauty of the Bhagavatam because the same things you re you'll read in literature class about relationships and of, the, of this world, then you hear the same thing, only it's with reality. Reality is beautiful and eternal and is a person and it's completely fulfilling. So we have to have that. Thank you. That was good. So uh, what is Yoga Balena? One of the ways it's described, Yoga Balena, Balena, is one of the Krish names of Krishna. Krishna's first expansion, his Vaibhava Prakash, is Balaram. Now, Balaram is the same in every way as Krishna. He's like a, a fax, facsimile uh, of Krishna. There he is, Krishna, only different color. And a different abhiman, or a different mood. Krishna's abhiman is the controller of everyone, because that's his rightful position, and only he has that right. Ekale Ishvara Krishna Arsa Bhritya, Chaitanya Chardamrita. There's only one supreme controller, it's Krishna. Everyone else is Britta, is a servant. And that includes Balaram, his first expansion. All it's Krishna himself, he comes out with the mood of, I'm the servant of Krishna. And Balaram is like the, Krishna is the proprietor, and Balaram's like the, the manager of the whole thing. He manages all the energies. He is the source of and, and manifests the sandini potency, which is, means the stabilizing force or the facilitating force behind everything in the spiritual world and in the material world as well. And also, that includes facilitating those who want to go to Tut, to Krishna. Means uh, the material world's unstable. We already heard that from the verse that you gave us, uh, read for us. And then uh, how do we get from instability to stability? We have to have spiritual strength. Tadakpanam tat parimargitavyam. How are we going to know? How are we going to tread that path, parimargitavyam, walk that direction um, in, a, in a way that will get us there? So one of the ways is to remove the obstacles. So first of all, we have to know what the obstacles are. So they're listed in various ways. Uh, one of them is called asat trishna. Trishna, with a T, sounds like Krishna, but it's trishna. Trishna means a thirst. And asat means something that is not permanent, doesn't really exist because it's here today, gone tomorrow. But I have a thirst for it. I want it. I don't care. I'll take it anyway. And a lot of the uh, themes of various stories are, you know, forbidden love. It's like, I want it. I want it. But, but you know, it's going to kill you. It's like, I still have to have it. It's like, you idiot. It's pointed out as being romantic, but that can go on in the spiritual world and you can relish it. <laughs> but in the material world, it's disaster. And so this asat trishna 
is one of the first obstacles of being attracted to the non-permanent. And then comes Sridaya Dharbalyam, which means a weakness of heart, otherwise known as woe, W-O-H, woe. Um, I have an understanding that the material world is a temporary place. I know which way I want to go, but I don't have the strength to do it. I still can't lift my arms and do, do the pick up my japa bag. And Krishna mentions this, and so does Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. He quotes from the Bhagavatam and says, there is a position in which you know what to do, but you just can't do it. So you've heard this verse many times, but this is quoted by the Acharyas, Jata Shradamakatasu, Nirvina Sarvakarmasu, Veda Dukat Bakankamams Prityage Pyanishvara, Tatoba Jaitamam Prita Shradalur Jrudanishaya, Jushamanams Tatankamams, Duko Darkams Tagarihan. And this indicates this position. I know what to do, I can't do it. So uh, my faith is awakened in the process. Jatashradha means faith is born. Matkatasu, I have a, a faith also that if I hear Krishna Kata, that I will advance in devotional service. Nirvina Sarvakarmasu, and I'm also uh, disgusted with the material world. I know that it's uh, rather... Um, it's futile, the, the sense gratification, and it leads to misery. But means to give something up. I don't have the strength to give up these bad habits. just can't do it. Krishna says, but understand that, or he's saying, I understand your position. You're very dear to me because you're trying. And he said, so don't give up the process. Continue, because gradually you'll come to a success and you'll be able to do it with full taste. And so um, he says, you could be a little remorseful, but don't become pathologically remorseful so that you give up the process, say, uh, I can't do it, and also nobody can do it. Because if I can't do it, nobody else can either. They're just faking it anyway. So don't be like that, he says. Just understand that the process is extremely powerful. Similar thing that he says in Apichet Sutracharo, that no matter how low a a devotee seems to have fallen, uh, don't worry because the process of devotional service is so powerful that very soon, Sri Prampavati Dharmatma, he'll become to the perfectional stage. So, Sri Dayadur Bhalyam means I have this weakness of heart to want to enjoy the temporary, and that's a, a difficult position to be in. And then there's Aparadha, uh, the tendency to commit Aparadha. So we know Radharani is the emblem of all devo- pure devotional service, and so her name is Radha. If you say aparadha, means that you're doing uh, activities, you're acting in such a way that uh, you're going against the process of devotional service, like atyahara prayashascha, janashangascha lolium cha. There are various ways in which I 
act against the, the flow of devotional service, and I won't make advancement. And then um, there are three kinds of aparadhas that one can make, which waylay one on the path of devotional service and keep one in a weak state. So one of them is uh, called nama parata, is offending the holy name. And there's 10 offenses against the chanting of the holy name. And then, then there's uh, Vaishnava parata, offending devotees who are performing devotional service. And then there's seva parata, the aparatas or the mistakes I make in serving Krishna, like in deity worship. And so these are the three categories of that, that uh, stand between uh, a devotee and nishta. And also there's five characteristics that emerge from these uh, mistakes, which are listed as, uh, first of all, being um, sleepy when it's time to perform devotional service. Of course, there's a time to sleep, but then there's a time not to sleep, which is like in Bhagavatam class or when one's chanting the holy name, but there's a, a way in which I'm, I'm so uninterested that, as, or at least my brain is, part of me wants to do it, but the other part, as soon as I start chanting, how do you because, like, can't we play a video game instead? And so this sleep, or laya, is, is one of the obstacles that is apparent when these various aspects of blockage are there in our, in our, in our devotional practice. From asatrishna, I'm still attracted to the material world, it looks better to me than devotional service. Three diadorbali, I'm a weakness of heart, it's like, hey, I'm flabby, I just can't get up. And then, and then the aparads, I, I haven't taken the trouble to clean that up, to not commit the aparadhas, and it's affecting me. So then part of that, the symptom of that is that I become sleepy when I want to do devotional service. And then there's a distraction, prone, uh, being prone to distraction. And this is something that, of course, all of it takes practice, but uh, devotees who want to overcome th these anomalies and get spiritual strength have to um, scratch, crawl, bite, whatever you have to do to get past them. And one of them is uh, distraction. And it, if, if I practice being distracted, then I'll be distracted a lot because there's plenty of distractions that call to me. One of my suggestions for overcoming distractions is deciding what the, co what the core practices are every day that I, I will do as a bare minimum. And this, the standard that I'll keep every single day, no matter where I am or what the circumstances, and then work towards doing those as well as possible as a starting point because once I, I have that down, there's a kind of taste that comes from it and there's a way in which it becomes ingrained in my daily uh, schedule that uh, this is what I do first before I talk to people, before I do anything else, before I get sucked into the world. And that starts to give a 
an oasis away from distraction. And other people around us uh, may be uh, distracting forces because we've empowered them to, uh, to distract us as well. It's like, yeah, I know he doesn't really pay attention when he chances around, so therefore, you know, I'll just uh, introduce uh, a video game while he's chanting, and he won't mind, because I know that's, you know. Uh, but you have to uh, make the determination yourself, and then the environment adjusts accordingly. So distraction is the second, and the third is indifference, which is a, a very strange kind of uh, feeling, but it comes from tamogun. Tamogun means that I'm zoned out completely from what's important in life. In fact, it's a negative space. It's very dark, and that tamogun just comes up. If I've practiced touching the tamogun in the past, then it may be in there and it has to come out. So the Kaliya serpent, one of the demons that Krishna killed, Krishna danced on his hoods. And every time he hopped up on the other hood, he smashed it down and poison was coming out. And he had to dance for a long time until Kaliya became not only exhausted, but also free from poison. He had expelled it all in getting hit over and over again by Krishna's lotus feet on his head. And then this feeling came into his mental system that, you know, maybe I really should surrender. Because my wives have been telling me, his wives, the Nagapatnis, were really good devotees. And uh, they you know, don't be such a jerk. Of course, they were more polite about it, perhaps, but they, they were pretty disgusted with him. And when they saw him getting beat up, by Krishna, they were thinking, you know, hey, if Krishna kills him, you know, um, they weren't totally against him, but like, we understand, you know. But when they saw that, and, and they could see it in his countenance, that he suddenly was different. And he was exhibiting this kind of radiance that, you know, I think, which comes out from somebody who has this feeling that I'm going to, I really do want to surrender. And I think that I'll give up my attachment to the material world. And when, they, when he did that, then the Nagapatnis started rooting for him and praying to Krishna, you know, please don't kill him. He's a, you can see now he's a devotee, he's surrendering to you and things like that. So point is that the mode of ignorance is poison. I've been drinking it wholesale for many lifetimes, just thinking like, this is really good. And it's in there. So I have to allow Krishna to smash my head and, and voluntarily hear the holy name as if Krishna is dancing and the, the impulses I have for the material world, let Krishna smash those out of me and the devotees, the association of devotees, uh, to take it out. And then I can come to a point where there's no more of that ignorance inside. And I feel like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm free from that tendency to just zone out and be indifferent to devotional service. I'm going to be fully attentive. This is one of the symptoms of coming to Nishta, that this is the most important thing to me now in my life. And then he mentions that there's, there is innate tendencies in me, like anger, 
or lust that um, become obstacles to nishta. And those, after some time of hearing and chanting and practicing devotional service, naturally become evaporated by the power of Krishna. Virkriditam vrajavadur birahamcha vishnu shadhanvitona shrinu yadatavarna yedya. Bhaktim param bhagavati prati labya kamam pridrogam ashvapahinotyacharinatira. Shukadeva Goswami says it's, it's, it's remarkable how uh, the hearing Krishna Kata, it, uh, it actually will cleanse the heart of lust, the, the, dr the dreaded enemy of the conditioned soul, lust for, for uh, enjoying the material senses in this world, will be evaporated. And then also each one of the senses, this is the fifth obstacle, has some kind of um, attraction, sense attraction. But by the process of devotional service, gradually those senses feel more comfortable engaging in Krishna's service. For instance, um, the senses want some activity, but I only feel satisfied when I'm engaging them in some process of devotional service, and they can become purified. So these are the obstacles, and the ob absence of these obstacles means that one has come to the position of nishta. So nishta means steadiness in devotional service. And Baladev is the one who helps us come to that point, and therefore one of his names is Balabhadra. He's the strongest of the strong. He's the source of all strength. And so, as we were talking about this morning in the Japa circle, one gets strength from repeating Krishna's name, Rama. Rama, Rama, Rama. We're saying Hare Krishna, Hare Rama. Or Hare Rama, Hare Krishna. As people in India say, Hare Rama, Hare Krishna. But just by saying Krishna's name, by saying the name of Rama, Balabhadra, then uh, we actually are associating with him. And we begin to develop this uh, strength that comes from Krishna's association, from Balaram's association. The next is a connection to Guru. Because in this world, I'm a hapless soul. Hapless? Can somebody look it up, please? Hapless. Hap, I think, has something to do with luck. I'm an unlucky soul. It says, yes? Hapless is, um, it means, especially a person, unfortunate. Yeah, I'm an unfortunate soul in this material world. So I'm hapless. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Brahmanda Brahmate Kon Bhagyavan Jeev. You become unhapless or happy. <laughs> you become un unhapped by meeting a representative of Balaram. What does that mean? Brahmanda Brahmate, I'm, walk I'm just wandering around. I remember that as being a kid. And he's like, what do you want to do today? I don't know, what do you want to do today? <laughs> Let's go downtown. What do you want to do downtown? We'll buy some candy, you know, ride our bikes. And it's like, what? You don't have anything to do? Of course, nowadays kids build ro robots. What can I say? But you know, <laughs> there's a, 
there's a way that the soul's just wandering in this world. What do you want to do next? Let's, let's build us a, a rocket and see if we can go through the atmosphere. How much did that cost? I don't know, $50 million. Do you have anything better to do? No. Uh, Brahmanda Brahmanda, no offense, uh, Mr. Um, whoever did it. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a sense of wandering haplessly in this world. But Balaram comes to us as a representative, as the guru uh, in Parampara. And so Balaram is the point of steadiness. He creates steadiness in our life, and this is one of the ways. Through his holy name, uh, when, we get the, when we say his holy name, when we chant his holy name, there's a way of we're associating with him, and there's a natural potency from that that gives us strength. From chanting, because Nama Chintamani Krishna's Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha, we're we're actually associating with with reality, the real person, the real thing. And then there's a way in which he sends a representative to us, Brahmanda Brahmate Kon Bhagyavan Jeev. Bhagyavan means somebody becomes fortunate. And how fortunate? By meeting Balaram through a representative. So there's this uh, mentioned in the Shastras, the Balaram is the Akanda Guru. He's, he's the, the undivided principle of Guru. And he's the Samasti Guru. He's the source of all other Gurus. So if there's any Guru that one meets, whether uh, Vartamana Pradakshaka Guru, the one who first introduces one to the process of Krishna consciousness, it could be anybody. My Vartamana Pradakshaka Guru is Richie Korsa. If you're listening, Richie, uh, he brought me a Back to Godhead magazine and said, here, you should read this. And he said, I don't want it. I'm not interested. But, I'll, but he became my apartment, the instrument of me coming to Krishna consciousness. And um, Prabodhananda Saraswati's Vartmana uh, Pradakshya Guru was, I mean, did I say the right person, Prabodhananda? Huh? Bill from Uncle Takhor's. Um, Vartmana Pradaksha Guru was his girlfriend. They were just hanging out. And, you know, one day she said, you know, if you put so much energy, in, if you put the kind of energy you put into me, and, you know, hey, this is a material body, you know, uh, why don't you, you'd be a great devotee. And he thought, yeah, maybe I should do that. So she became his first guru. He told him, like, you know, why don't you do something with your life rather than coming to see me, which is a pretty nice thing to say. And so there's Vartmana Prashakrasha Guru, who's a representative of Baladev. And then there's the Shiksha Guru. Shiksha Guru is the person who gives instruction uh, about one's relationship with Krishna. And you hear Krishna Kata, and then all of a sudden you go like, well, I have some spiritual strength from listening to this person. I'm listening, listening, listening. I'm like, meh, meh, meh. All these, you know. And then all of a sudden I feel like I'm not sleepy anymore. And I also actually care about this. And I feel like I want to do this. It's because you heard from Balaram through the Vyasti Guru. Vyasti Guru means the individual guru that's representing the Samasti Guru or the guru that Balaram is. And he's, and he's shining his potency through a person. It could be any person who's actually following the parampara, strictly following the parampara. 
and has a standing in devotional service because that person heard. Shabde parishanishnatam, Brahman upashram ashrayam. They're absorbed because they got the same benefit from Balaram. They heard from a guru and that enlivened them. They felt the strength that came in and all of a sudden they said, hey, I'm different than I was before. So you get this shiksha. Then there's an old saying that the a disciple catches, the, 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 the guru catches a disciple by shiksha. And then the disciple catches the guru by diksha. Because then a disciple who's heard and feels strength from a samasti guru or a vyasti guru, someone who's representing Balaram, thinks, this is the only person for me. You know, I got something from this person. And they come like, you got to give me initiation. And that means you're stuck with them for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's like, katcha, you know, okay, we're getting initiated. And then, like, you're responsible for me. So the Diksha Guru uh, gives the mantra that's been passed down. And it's not just, you know, here's a mantra, take it. But it's, here's the, the it's imbued with, with the mood of the mantra. This is important. It comes from somebody who's chanting the mantra, who's understood it, who's surrendered his or her life to uh, Krishna and then gives the mantra. And then, of course, the shiksha is like watering and the diksha is like giving the seed. Which is more important? The seed or the water? Both. They're both equally important. You have to have both. You have to have the seed giver and sometimes it's one person who gives the seed and the information uh, how to water it and how to you know, do the process. So these are all, according to the Shastra, manifestations of Baladev because he is serving Krishna and his main service to Krishna is to pave the way for more living entities. And there are how many living entities? Approximately? Asankhya. They're uncountable. They're unlimited because Krishna's unlimited. His desire to enjoy is unlimited. Uh, and to his desire to be appreciated by uh, unlimited appreciators is unlimited. Therefore, there are unlimited living entities. But some of them are uh, wayward. And therefore, the process of Krishna consciousness means that uh, they come into the process of worshiping Krishna and it fulfills Krishna's desires to have them come closer uh, in their relationship. So that's what Balaram does. It's one of his services and he makes, it a, makes that pathway available through the guru. Uh, he is uh, the main guru, as you'll see in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes when Lord Ananda comes, the older brother of Lord Chaitanya, then Mahaprabhu performs the Vyasa Puja for Lord Nityananda. He's the guru there. So Balaram plays that part. So if one uh, is fortunate, Bhagyavan, and because of sincerity, desire to know Krishna, meets a guru, uh, Vartmana Pradaksha Guru, and then a Shiksha Guru, and then takes uh, the mantra as one's life and soul. Evam Vrataswa Priyanamakirtya. I'm going to take this with a vow from the Guru. One is then connecting to Balaram. So one then need only take that very seriously. Uh, 
if one takes seriously the instructions of the spiritual master, for instance, the guru will give some guidelines. Here's how to practice. Don't do these things. Do do these things. Practice this every day without fail. And I say, I promise, I'm going to do that. So when we do that, we, we keep the promise. Then we get the spiritual strength. Because the order of the Supreme Personality of God is a manifestation of his internal potency. And it is by that potency that one comes to see the Lord face to face. So if one honors the Guru, Yasya Devi Parapaktir Yata Devi Tataguru, one comes to have real knowledge. And it's realized knowledge. It's vijnana, through which one can overcome the obstacles. One actually becomes spiritually strong by following the simple instructions given by the Guru. If I don't take shelter of Guru, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, well, maybe next life. Because it's like Guru's available, but I just don't do it. That's like, put it off. Then he says, uh, you're committing the third offense to the holy name by not following the instructions of Guru. Because Guru is Balaram, and he's giving us uh, a way to step forward and become steady. So if we take shelter of Balaram's names, Hari Rama, if we also take shelter of the instruction of Guru through Parampara, the Guru principle is Balaram, and we honor that as our life and soul, then we gradually um, are able to, by Lord Balaram's potency, overcome the insurmountable obstacles in this material world. It's impossible to, to uh, overcome these anomalies we're faced with. The asatrishna. I just can't break it. I can't get the Hridaya Durba. How can I how can I be stop being such a wimp? And then then the um, the offenses. I'm just naturally offensive. I just watch TV and now I interact with Vaishnavas. I say something stupid. Or, or you know, uh, I I become indifferent. Or the, uh, it's natural when I'm not actually following the process in such a way that, I, that I'm aligned. So, Balaram will help us to overcome that. It's divine energy that's holding us back, and it's the divine intervention that can allow us to overcome the obstacles, and that's why we have to take shelter of Balaram. He comes with the plow and the um, grinding mortar, so he clears the, the field so that we can actually invite Krishna to come in. He makes the field available or fertile and free from any obstacles. Okay, now we'll just take a couple reflections and we'll have a break, some kirtan. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Hare Krishna. Uh, thank you, Prabhu, for the nice class. Uh, um, two points I wanted to talk about, Prabhu. First is about uh, the Maya aspect, how the Maya is strong. You were saying, the Bisha, Guna Maya, Mama Maya, Duratpaya. So, I mean, I was just remembering that uh, one Prabhupada was discussing with his disciples. Uh, one of his disciples left the movement and he was saying it's not uh, very kind of 
uh, you know, uh, wonderful that, uh, uh, you know, that, that people are leaving Krishna consciousness. Yeah, what is more wonderful is that uh, people are sticking to it because uh, my devotees are, because in my eyes, very strong and it's not um, kind of easy to uh, remain in Krishna consciousness. So we'll have to pray every day to uh, Lord Krishna for giving us strength. So that's one aspect. Another aspect, Prabhu, actually, I was thinking about my Bhattan and Pradeshna Guru, uh, who kind of was our uh, tenant. And he actually kind of brought me to Krishna consciousness. But then later, what happened, uh, he got into some accident and left his life, which was kind of very tragic. So, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that part also and wanted to share that. Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes, Prabhu. One, two. Thank you for such a beautiful uh, presentation. I have an observation. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's very <laughs> loud. Uh, I have an observation and I want your comment about that observation. Usually when we take shelter of Guru, we want instruction from them. We want to serve based on those instructions and want to connect or understand the samandha with the relationship uh, with the Supreme Personality of Godhead and serve based on that samandha. But if we observe the pastimes of Lord Balaram and Lord Nityananda also in Chaitanya Leela, we don't see any instruction given by Lord Nityananda as such. Means like there is no conversation in the Shastra which says there is a question answer where somebody is asking question and Lord Nityananda is answering about devotional topics. Rather we say that uh, Lord Krishna is actually doing it with Arjuna and later on in, with Uddhava. Lord Chaitanya is doing it with Ramananda Rai, Sanatan Goswami, Rupa Goswami and other associates. But we know that you know, the Guru Tattva is, is embodied by Lord Nityananda himself. But we don't see any direct instruction. Rather we see the process of serving the Supreme Lord. What is the best way to serve? Which is actually in the Avidya level. So if you can actually give some insight about this uh, observation, it will be helpful. Yeah, Lord Nityananda is the guru in, in the Leela of uh, Nitayan Gauranga. And how is it that he instructs? He's the one who actually reveals Lord Chaitanya. Because uh, many people don't know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahiyanya, they don't know that he's Krishna, uh, as coming as a devotee. And so when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tells his associates, you go out and you teach people this process, teach what Krishna said in Bhagavad Gita, and worship Krishna, manmana bhavamad bhakto, what does Lord Nityananda do? He goes door to door and says, worship Gauranga, chant Gauranga, surrender to Gauranga, everything Gauranga, 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 and everyone's like, wow. <laughs> That's different from what Mahaprabhu told us. It's what Mahaprabhu wanted. But he wasn't going to say it himself. And Lord Ananda was the guru because he, he opened the door to reveal who Lord Gauranga is. So that, that's his position. And that's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu worshipped him as, as, the, as the guru. He's the Akanda Guru Tattva. And, and he, he welcomed him in. And then Lord, Lord Ananda did his, his, his job. And also, you know, because Mahaprabhu may have given more in, in extensive instructions and Nityananda Prabhu was carrying them out, he told Nityananda when he went into his uh, later years in Samadhi, 
did Lord Chaitanya. He told Lord Nityananda, you go to Bengal, especially West Bengal and you, uh, East Bengal and you, West Bengal, East Bengal, and you teach what is today East Bengal. And, uh, and you spread Krishna consciousness. Then he set the example, the best way to teach. It's the only way to teach, ultimately, by example. So the guru teaches not just by giving instruction, but by also setting an example. So Nityananda Prabhu did that. Hare Krishna. Yes. Prabhuji, I was just thinking about the part that you just said about the plow. I never knew why Balaram actually carried the plow. So please uh, um, let me tell, uh, this is my understanding. So he plows the heart of the devotee uh, with from all the anarthas so that Krishna can be established. Is that understanding right, Prabhu? Krishna only appears in the Dham. So Lord, Lord Nityananda and Lord uh, Balaram, they, he is the Dham. He manifests the Dham. That's what the sandini potency is it's like where we're sitting he manifests that it's otam protam otam protam chasamstitam if you know uh, string theory and physics that talks everything's held together by a string at least my life is and uh, then there's <laughs> there's this uh, statement about Balaram, he's otam protam. Otam protam means when you're making a sari or a doti on, the, on a loom, you got, you got the, the horizontals already, or it's, no, you have the verticals already, and then they keep throwing the little, uh, I know there's a name for it, they keep throwing it through, shunk, 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 and then they pull the thing and it tightens it up. All it is is threads, but it's held together. So Balaram is the otam and the protam. That's holding everything together. Your question again? I forgot. I got so into the loom. No, I was just wondering that um, I never knew Balram why he carried the plow. You had just mentioned that. Right. So the the plow, just as when Krishna appeared. So people ask, like, okay, the Sadgarbha Asuras, the six uh, ill-fated uh, little. Actually, sages took birth because they were cursed in a previous life. Take birth in the womb of Devaki, and they were killed one after another by Kamsa, who was their former uh, grandfather. And so there's there's a way in which people then say, like, well, how could Krishna appear there in the womb of Devaki? Because you know all these impure people, they're asuras. They're called sadgarbha asuras. They appeared there first in the womb. Answer is, Balaram appears. Devaki appeared to have a, a miscarriage in her seventh uh, pregnancy. But actually, Balaram was there, and he sung Karshana, so he was attracted by Yogamaya. He was pulled from the womb of Devaki to the womb of Rohini, and then uh, everyone said the miscarriage was there. But actually, that was Balaram manifesting the Dham uh, after the Sadgarbha Asuras are there, so now Krishna can take his birth in that place. And so that's the business of Balaram. Wherever he goes, he establishes the Dham. And that's the place that Krishna can uh, come and stay. So, you know, like when Prabhupada was traveling, devotees always get his place ready for him. He doesn't just stay anywhere. Like, uh, 
it has to be um, clean <laughs> and suffix. So Balaram's doing that everywhere to, so that Krishna can come and be and land in a in a transcendental place. And similarly, in our hearts, Balaram to the instructions of Guru, it takes out with the plow. You plow out, you take out all the weeds. And this is the instruction given in the uh, Gundicha Marjana, uh, cleansing the, the temple of Gundicha. Uh, Mahaprabhu did three times, took out all this, the, the dirt, and then cleaned outside so it wouldn't come back in. And Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur comments about how meticulous one has to be to apply the instructions of Guru to overcome the various or the myriad uh, anartas within the heart. There's a long list of anartas that spring up in the heart because of long association with three modes of material nature. So Balaram, through the instructions of Guru and by his spiritual strength that he, he gives to those who are following, he helps us to overcome all those anartas. And Prabhupada says, once they're all gone, then you can hold a festival and you can invite everybody over and you can install Krishna on the throne of your heart because it's a clean place by the mercy of Lord Balaram that you can actually worship him in your heart. Thank you, Prabhu. And was- yes, on the board. We'll take these. and Krishna says, those who worship him with exclusive devotion, he preserves what they have and carries with them cares what they lack. How can a person who is not completely surrendered to a Christian develop faith in his protection? Just look around. I mean, I didn't, I have a, um, I can make a, a um, admission that is, I, uh, I didn't plant anything this year. Last year I planted many seeds in the garden. This year, Maybe I was too lazy. And besides, Kent kept bringing us vegetables <laughs> from his beautiful garden. So, do we have no garden? No. It's a miracle garden. All kinds of stuff just grew. <laughs> there's the tomato. <laughs> there, there's squash everywhere. It's like, I didn't lift a finger, actually. I just, uh, they just came up uh, where they were before. And every day when I go back there to put more in the compost pile, I look at that and I say, Krishna's so abundant in his support. Even for, even for uh, the ants. I mean, little ants, they work all day long. you got to love them. And they have their whole scheme going on there. They're like, rrr, 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 rrr. and the and uh, Krishna's like, okay, you guys are cool. You can have stuff. We'll give you a facility here. Everything, ants being fed. The birds, they're amazing. You just look at the birds and watch them. They're just playing around all day. They eat a few bugs. Where the bugs come from, they're just there. They know how. I saw this little bird in my garden the other day, and he puts his feet on the ground and then he shuffles. And then when he shuffles, the little bugs come up, and he goes, mink, 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 and he eats them. And he knows exactly what to do. So Krishna's already doing it. It's not that, you know, you have to become a pure devotee, and all of a sudden he carries what you lack and preserve what you have. Get a little handful of seeds, throw them in the... That's why Prabhupada said, you know, try to go to the country once in a while. The artificial life in the city, you know, it's so brutal. 
people dominating. They put up, you know, barriers to everybody. It's like, you want to own something, kid? You're going to really pay for that. You want an education? You'd be paying the rest of your life. That's like some kind of weird, distorted sense of, uh, of proprietorship over everybody else. But you go out in the country and just look at the natural world. You throw a couple seeds on the ground. The rain comes, free water. Farmers love it when it rains because you go like, wow, free water. And then it comes down on the ground and then it just sprouts. And it, it drinks with its feet, it eats dirt, and then big, huge melons come out and fruits, vegetables, and everything like that. Who says Krishna's not caring what you lack preserves what you have? If he's doing it for the birds who don't care a fig for signing up for classes or for, um, you know, getting insurance or anything like that. They just basically hang out and Krishna says, yeah, I'll feed you. No problem. Everyone, I'll feed everybody. He feeds every living entity. Nitya nityanam, chaitanas chaitananam. So now a human comes along and says, what about me? It's like, well, try to, you know, calm down, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> try to be a little grateful and try not to live such an artificial life, lifestyle. Don't do atyahari. Atyahara means, I said atyahari. That's a good name for a person. Atyahari. <laughs> atyahara means, uh, atyahara means uh, like, you know, it's an Olympic sport. Uh, extreme sports, extreme eating. Uh, it means extreme living. Like, I got to live, like, you know, uh, off the charts. So be a simple human and be a happy human. Control your senses and, and you'll, be, you'll be okay. Krishna's going to take care of the squirrels and the ants and you and don't worry and chant Hare Krishna. And then if you chant Hare Krishna, you cross over. The first part of the verse is Samaham Sarvabhuteshu. I'm equal to everybody. I'm taking care of everybody. Don't worry. And then, but if you start worshiping me, if you go into bhakti, it's off the charts. The reciprocation from Krishna, you can't even measure it. Krishna is known as vanchatita, which means you can't estimate how much he's going to reciprocate with you for a tiny little bit of bhakti. All you have to do is give a little glance and say, Krishna, I'm in on this. I'm going to follow you. And next thing you know, your whole life is just a flood of Krishna's mercy in every single direction. So that's a true verse. Ananyas chintayantamam yejana parsipa. Krishna personally takes care of his devotees in amazing ways. So everyone should surrender to Krishna, Aisha, starting with me, and become you know, fully devoted. Does that sound like a good idea? Say yes. yes. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Krishna Gurmaj. Gurmaj, when you say that um, Krishna is taking care of us and he's he's um, he's doing his share, uh, how do we how do we equate that with the other side saying if Krishna really cares for us, then why do I have to suffer so much? Is it because my understanding is wrong that I'm suffering? Yes. Or, there we go. <laughs> yeah, because suffering is purification. It's actually really kind. I, I saw this little movie clip recently of a judge who gives very interesting sentences. And, and I read the little blurb that came with it. And it said that his 
recidivism rate is way lower than everybody else's. Most judges, when they convict criminals, 75% of them, they go to jail, they give them jail time, they go and they can become even better criminals because they put them in a cell with like a, a super crook. And it's like, so how do you break in again? It's like, yeah, it's like this. You're doing it all wrong. Let me show you how to really be a crook. <laughs> then they come back out, <laughs> super crook. And, and, then, and then there's the people that he deals with. So this is how this judge does it. So say a person like this, this one girl had um, gotten in a cab. This is how old it is. She got in a cab. It's no Uber. She gets in a cab, and she um, gets out, and she just takes off running, doesn't pay the cab driver. Back in the old days, kids, there used to be cabs, and you had to pay for them. And so she just go, get out and start. She started running, but say she got caught. She got taken to the, the court. So the judge asked, so how long, how far did the driver take? He said, 30 miles. I said, okay, you have your choice. You can go to jail for 30 days, or you can go out and walk that same path that you took. You can walk that 30 miles, and then you don't have to do jail time. So she went out, she chose the, the walk. And you know, she was uh, not in shape and not used to walking anywhere, I think. And so she, she took that and at the end of it, they, the, they interviewed her and said, what do you think? Say, yeah, I really learned a lesson. You know, this walking thing was really good for me. And then they interviewed several more people. One of them was somebody who had mistreated a dog and kept it in foul circumstances. So the judge says, you can go to jail for 90 days, or you can go to the county dump, and they'll drop you off in the stinkiest part, and you have to stay there all day long and help pick up trash. And she said, I'll do that. So he went there, and afterwards, this person who was kind of a, an animal abuser, she said, God, now I know what it's like. So Krishna has organized the universe in such a way like that, that you know, you get some choices, and you get these so-called, uh, they're punishments for doing the wrong thing. I, I broke the law, and now, okay, now you walk and see how it feels like. What's my karma? I had to walk all that way across the border. Okay, it's teaching you a lesson, something. So it's actually really kind. It's smart. It's not only smart, it's also kind because it imparts a lesson. So... You can make a little bumper sticker. Suffering is good. <laughs> Suffering is kind. It comes from Krishna. But yeah, if we think about it the wrong way, then all the time we're up against like, why should I suffer? But the devotee's just the opposite. Tatenukam pam sumikshamano bunjana evatmak pripakam ridvagbapurvir vidadam namaste jivetayo mukti pade sadayabak. That is, he or she takes it that. Anything that happens to me is Krishna's mercy. He's trying to teach me a lesson because of what I've done in the past, and therefore it's manifest in this way. So if you take it like that, then Krishna says, you're eligible for actually attaining the supreme destination if you take that attitude. So we've heard about Lord Balaram. You have a point? Yes, last one. And then we'll uh, break for Guru Puja. I was just uh, thinking regarding the uh, Japa session points that you were sharing, that every time when we chant, um, if we don't chant with attention, we don't uh, make it. Because suppose if you're going for a business deal 
And if the deal is made in the meeting, then everybody becomes happy. So like that, there is something enchanting. Like if we put all our attention, we feel that we did it. Otherwise, it's morose, like, oh, it didn't happen like that. So I was just thinking, like, how much importance the attention is. Yeah, it's a nice analogy, as usual. You come up with great analogies. And, and, and it's important to have that every day. Some connection where I, I made it, I crossed over. That's our strength. That's coming from Lord Balaram. Following the order of, of the guru, I'm, I'm hearing and chanting, and I'm doing some service, and, I'm, and I feel that breakthrough that I got the strength from doing it. So now we're going to um, worship our founder, Acharya. So this is a source of strength when we worship the guru. And we'll take a break for about three minutes so everyone can reorganize the room. And then we'll come back in and we'll sing to our heart's content. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. All the devotees on Zoom call ki jai. All the devotees who joined in the studio audience ki jai. Gopremanande. Vancha kalpadarusha. Kripa sindave vichapatitanam pavani bhyo vaishnavi bhyo namo namaha. Nantakoti vaishnavi ki jai.